Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. First of all, for those of you that contacted me after last, the last teaching we had, I just really appreciated some of the dialogue um, to hear stories. Uh, I was having coffee with Bill a few weeks ago, and he was sharing about how uh, I have this problem, too. When we go to the gym, we, like, want to do our work. Uh, when, when we're out like running, I just want to be focused on what I'm doing. And he was just, we were just talking about how even after the last teaching, him and Elaine were talking like, how do we be more open in our community and just like willing? And he's like, someone came in to bother him, which he didn't see as a bother, but as someone to engage and talk to. So I just appreciate that. Um, and just hearing other stories. I heard a great story from Aubrey. Uh, she's not with us today, um, but she, she, she started out with, uh, we met for coffee a few weeks ago and she said something that was really really unique. She said, you know, I've been trying to figure out how to like bless my neighbors over the last couple of months and years that I've been in the neighborhood. And there's been, there's a woman, one of my neighbors, I haven't seen her in a while. And her son was back and I caught her son as he was walking in and, you know, I said, how's your mom? I haven't seen her. She's like, oh, she's, she's has cancer. And Aubrey came, went over, said, hey, you know, what, what do you need? She's like, if you could have your people, your church folks pray for me, that would be awesome. And so, like, what I appreciate is, is, you know, they're not, you know, Bill's not going to uh, another part of the world. He's going to the, the gym downstairs. Aubrey's not, not going out of her way to try to find someone, but she's actually walking over to her neighbor's house. And I love, like, that's how mission works. It's kind of unsexy, um, but it's really beautiful. As I said last time, I mean, you know, I, I, <laughs> I just love the creative ways that God invites us to be on mission together. Um, but Aubrey asked a reason. So I want to stop and just pray for Aubrey's neighbor. We're going to call her Sue. God knows who she is. Um, but can we just spend a moment and just, it's kind of weird, a little different if you're new with us. You're like, this place is really strange. But we're going to pray out loud for a minute together. And just, just very simply, Lord, we pray for healing over Sue's life. We pray that you'd bless Sue. We pray that you'd be close to Sue. Just real simple. That's it. So let's pray that together um, in your own words, in your own way. And then I'll close this out. Lord, we just ask that you would bless Sue, that you would heal Sue, that you would be with her, Father, in this scary time. Lord, that you would um, meet her where she is. God, you're so good. Thank you, God. Lord, thank you. Thank you, God, for hearing our prayers. And Lord, we, we bless Sue in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. We pray for healing and wholeness. Um, we thank you so much for the ways that you invite us into relationship, into healing relationships with others through you. In your name we pray. Amen. Aubrey also asked me a really interesting question. Um, and the question was really, it, was, it kind of intrigued me. It says, is mission a noun or a verb? And so I want to leave that question with you. You have a couple minutes to chat with the folks next, next to you. Some of you are like, what is mission? That's okay. You can start there too. But is mission a noun or a verb? Like when you think about the mission of God, is it a noun or is it a verb? Yeah, spend like a minute just discussing amongst one another. 
Thank you, Diane, for jumping right in. Great. <laughs> so what I appreciate is uh, even chatting up here with, with Carter and Bennett, uh, who are now my new best friends because they sat closest. Um, yeah, the idea of it's, it, it's a verb. You know, Carter's like, it's a verb, but I could, I could make sort of an argument for both. Um, Bennett said both, and he's like, Carter said, context matters. And I appreciate that answer. And so uh, Aubrey brought up, we were talking about the Spanish missions. Um, if you've ever been to California or if you've lived in California, I mean, sure, Cindy, you've probably seen some Spanish missions every once in a while. But they're, they're, uh, the idea was that the Spanish government, when they, when they were here in the U.S., they were like, we're going to bring Catholic, the Catholic world to the people of California, the indigenous people who are here. And so they, they built these beautiful spaces that had you know, they, they were able to store food. They became these like hubs for mission to go out. But it was a mission. It was a mission. Um, and it's sort of this interesting spa space where the place became the mission. It wasn't just, a, it was to a people, yes, but to a place as well. And so a few weeks ago, we'll get into that. But I talked about people, place, and problem. And so they were able to really begin to help people in that way. Um, and it also kind of reminds me of monasteries. If any of you have ever been, or any, any, any people ever been to a monastery over in Europe? Anybody? I, I have not. I can't wait. It, are they beautiful? Yeah. yeah. And so um, some of us, like myself, uh, we, this, this particular monastery is the, the Weltenberg Monastery. Um, on the, it's in Germany. And the monks of Germany, this is the oldest monastery that have brewed beer inside, on premise, um, and also with outside brewers. And so I just appreciate the fact that even monasteries in Europe, the idea was, well, we have a church, you know, we might have a church in a space, but a monastery became like a mission hub. How do we bless the community? And so they kind of set, they were set apart. You know, I was thinking back to what Jason was saying a few weeks ago at the, at the communion table, but they were set apart, but they had a mission to love their community. So they grew food, uh, they brewed beer, um, and some of that beer you can still buy today. And I'm sure if you want to talk about it with Beer Advent, some of the, you guys do that here, um, you can probably do maybe a tour of the Trappist beer. Um, but yes, it's a noun. Yes, it's a verb. Uh, and sometimes I think it's important for us, for us to think about that in both directions. Um, I know that mission is a verb when it comes to Aubrey's neighbor, but I also know that it's a noun because her house has this sense of presence. And so I think it's important for us to be thinking in both directions. And so last time we gathered, we talked through the Abrahamic blessing, which is found in Genesis chapter 12. It's, it's this beautiful covenant where uh, the Lord says, Abraham, I'm calling you uh, to be a people uh, and I'm going to bless you so that you would bless the world. And so right off the bat, we see God's heart towards blessing. He, he seems to want to bless the nations through his family. And then we, we, we say we are part of that family. We're part of that story. That, that's not the family from 100 years ago. That's actually part of our story still today. Uh, this covenant didn't end when Abraham died. It continued to go. The seed of that is in us. And that, that's the reality. That's the truth of who we are as people that claim to follow Jesus. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing to our coworkers, to our neighbors, to our homes, to our, our town, to our state, to our country, and to the world. Um, and it's amazing because our great and magnificent Heavenly Father's heart is one that desires to bless. And he desires to bless through using us. And that is such a cool thing for me to continue to think about and to have mess with my brain in amazing ways.
And so we do this work in the beautiful overlap of the, of the works of Christ and the words of Christ. Uh, we serve, we heal, we listen, we help, we ask for help in the name of Jesus, but the works of Christ are so much about what we do with our hands. It's, it's the verb, like, right, what we do with our hands, how we, how we help, how we bless, how we listen, and, um, and, and that is the beauty of the works of Christ. But we're also called to use the words of Christ. And that's where we begin to bless in the name of Jesus, where we tell stories about Jesus. We tell about our encounters with the Lord. Uh, We want to be balanced on both of those things. And sometimes the words of Christ land, and sometimes the works of Christ land. But I think as Christians, some of us tend to feel like we're a little more comfortable on one side or the other, and I just want to challenge you, bring that in the middle and live in that beautiful tension. Anyone ever feel that weird pit in their stomach when, when, when you know, like, I feel like I'm supposed to say something about God in this conversation, anyone? And you're like, oh, I feel like I want to barf. That's probably the Holy Spirit. Um, <laughs> and I just want you to be able to pay attention to his work, to what he is up to in those moments. And again, this calls us, this posture of the works and words of Christ, it calls us back to ask God out loud with our voices, God, what person place or problem may you be inviting me into to see the kingdom of heaven show up in, whether it's at my neighbor's house, in my place of work, in my gym, wherever, God, just what place or person or problem are you inviting me to be part of your reconciling work in the world? And again, the answer to this question of what person, place, or problem is so beautiful because it's typically within the stuff that you're already doing. Like, we don't have to go out of our way to join with Jesus in the sense where, oh, I should, you know, I I need to do this, or, or, man, you know, I'm just a stay-at-home parent. How do I join with the kingdom of heaven? If you're a stay-at-home parent, you are joining with the kingdom of heaven every single day when you love those kids, every single day when you interact with their friends and their friends' parents. Like, you are part of the kingdom of heaven. If you're a mechanic... You are part of the kingdom of heaven of seeing light spread into the darkness in people's lives. My mechanic blesses my socks off all the time. He got me a sweatshirt. I was going to wear it today, but I'm like, that's probably not appropriate preacher attire. But I also figured if I was going to do it anywhere, this is the church that I could get away with it. Um, But I appreciate the way that God invites us into the ordinary everyday space of our life. I am encouraged by the way that Capture the Flag has become that by community dinner, how that has become that. These are things that we do within our community. By the way, Pickleball is doing that for you all. Um, But there's ways we just enter with God on his mission in some of the ordinary and mundane things of life. And I want to circle back again to another Old Testament story because I'm reading the Old Testament and you guys are in trouble because it's, and if you, if you want to get yourself in trouble, read the Old Testament because you start to see so much about who God is you're like, I don't even know where that is. I've only read from Matthew on. It's all the stuff before it. It's kind of confusing and a little scary sometimes, but we read it on God's own terms. We let God speak through it. And it's me- it is me- like messy is probably an understatement. Uh, but I'm going to have my buddy Miles. He's going to read Joshua chapter 2, 1 through 22. All right. Here it comes. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what do I do? All right. And yes, if you guys have your Bibles, if you could turn open to Joshua chapter 2, read along verses 1 through 22. 
And just a little bit of context for us as we're getting into this story. So um, Moses just passed away, and Israel is now getting ready to come into the promised land. So this is a big, this is a big deal. Um, and so they're, they're starting to plan how they're going to show up and what, what, what it is going to look like to follow God and some pretty wild stuff. Go ahead, Miles. Then Joshua sent two men to go out from Shittim. He sent them in secret to see what the land was like. He told them, go, look at all the land. Look very carefully at Jericho City. When the when they came to Jericho City, they arrived at the house of a prostitute. Her name was the city 
wall. The men climbed down the road. Rahab told them, go to the hills. The men who are chasing you will not find you there. Hide there for three days until they return to this city. Then you can go back to your people. The men said to her, if you do what we say, we will do what we have promised. We will soon attack this land. So tie this red string in the window that we came through. Bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and sisters, and all your family into your house. If any of them leaves your house, they may die. If that happens, we will not be guilty. We will only be guilty if our soldiers hurt anyone who is in your house. But if you tell anyone about us, we do not have to do what we have promised to you. Rahab said, I agree with what you have said. She sent the men away when they had gone. Uh, she tied the red string in her window. The two Israelite men went into the hills and they hid there. The king's officers looked along the road for them for three days. They did not find them, so they returned to Jeremiah. Thank you so much, Miles. Nailed it. Good work. I love the story because this is the story of conquest. Joshua is a story about the conquest of the land. And God's conquest begins with the redemption story. God's conquest begins with rescuing. And there's something amazing about these spies that walk into a brothel and find a person of peace This God of Israel has been working in the background all along. And the reality is that God rescues some of the most beautifully unlikely people from destruction. And that God rescues people from destruction. And many times there are people in our lives, and, and especially as I think about the story, like why didn't you go to the king or how come you didn't find favor in some other space? But it's just amazing to see the way that God's grace moves ahead of him, moves ahead of the people, and just begins to do this work in the most unlikely places. Many times, even as I read scripture, the people that I'm hoping, sort of cheering that they don't make it through, um, are the ones that God ends up rescuing and utilizing in just amazing ways. And so Rahab is this beautiful story of God's rescuing promise. Uh, when we, and we really see it come into fruition when we read the, uh, the lineage of Jesus in Matthew and in Luke. Uh, the story goes out of the way to say that Rahab is part of the story of Jesus. Rahab is the great, 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 quite a few grand, grandmother of, of Jesus. And so when we see Rahab in this story, we need to understand that she's, the great grand, she's a great grandma of David. She's also the the mother of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. So out of this story, out of this unlikely scenario, God shows up and rescues this beautiful woman, and her life sets this brand new trajectory for all of Israel, for all of the world, that we are part of this family that we can trace back to a prostitute. Like, amen. That's the missional heart of our father. It's not one that looks for the biggest and the brightest and the coolest and this and that, but it's the one who is constantly searching for hearts that when, they're, when they see fear, right? She says, everyone's afraid of your God. 
So instead of picking up arms to follow that, she shifts her mind and her soul and says, so I'm going to serve that God. I'm going to see that this God loves me. And she's met with that, which is such an amazing story of redemption. And I love how the conquest begins with a rescue and a blessing. We have to understand that this, this woman shows us so much about God's missional heart. And the fact that it, it, it literally owns, it, it knows no bounds. And so what does this call us to? What is this heart of God who is willing to see a prostitute, to, to go into a brothel and see a prostitute and watch her life transformed and changed? Uh, what does that call us to? How does that stir our hearts this morning? I, I think it should stir our hearts to repent and believe that the kingdom of heaven is near, that no one is too far gone, that no place is too far gone, that no problem is, is, is not unsolvable in the kingdom of heaven, that Jesus himself has a heart that is willing to, to, to bless all of these different things that we see in our eyes and in front of us. And so I think part of this repentance is we need to repent of our cynicism, that who is God, that nothing is impossible for who he is. And maybe if we can catch a glimpse of his wild heart, we'll start to see the cynicism in our hearts die and the possibility of what God can do in any circumstance begin to rise and challenge and call us to become people of prayer. I sense that that would bring the Lord great and deep joy. So we are called to bless. And last week at House Church, we had a chance to look at uh, Matthew 28, which is this, this, uh, this thing that they call the Great Commission. And commission's a beautiful word, but I, I think I, I like to look at it uh, as just calling it the Great Calling. Um, he just says, hey, uh, this is what we're going to be about. This is what my followers are going to need to be. And again, it's Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. My friends, what I love is that the heart of the Great Commission begins in the heart of the Great Commandment. Someone, a scribe, a scholar asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? He says, well, what does it say? And the guy responds back, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, right there in, in what it means to love God, it means to love other people, like the people in your class, right? The ones that drive you insane. What does it look like to begin to love God with the folks who are sitting next to you? Or with that kid in your class that like no one sits with because he might smell funny. And the truth is he probably smells just like you. That's just, I was a teenage boy once, I know. Use deodorant, it's an important thing. All teenage guys, deodorant's important. <laughs> Moms are shaking their head yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, They're like, thank you, such truth, deep wisdom. Um, but we need to understand that part of God's heart is that we begin to see things that he sees. And he sees things that are very different than what we want to see. And so there, be, there comes this point of submission where we have to submit our lives before God and say, God, change my eyes. Help me see what you see. Don't let me see someone that is unreachable and unlovable. Let me see someone that you are desperately in love with and you're calling me to begin to build some kind of relationship with. So how do we do this? I, I, I think this is kind of it. Um, I think we pray and we dig. I think prayer and digging and presence are kind of like how this works. And let me, let, me, let me play this out a bit. 
So in Mark chapter 2, we come across a story that uh, you've heard, you've probably heard every preacher preach on um, at least once. This is probably my ninth time preaching on this passage here at Renew. Um, and it's this great story. I'm going to pick up in, chat, in verse 3. It says, some men came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the man uh, who the lowered, l- then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. So I think mission looks a lot like digging through roofs, praying, digging, and presence. Real simple, like pray, dig, presence. Just like get that tattooed on your body somewhere so you have it so you can be reminded of this. And so I think what that looks like is, is this idea of recognizing that these friends are, are this, this picture of what mission looks like, um, that sometimes our, our job is, is, yeah, we get a ch- I've never heard anyone argue anyone into the kingdom of heaven. I just, I haven't heard it yet. I've, I've watched some people try, and it hasn't worked all, out all that well. But what I have noticed is people who are willing to dig through roofs. And, and that's sort of this, this way of, I would call that lavish love. Someone that's willing to love somebody above and beyond to the point like, yeah, I'll, I'll, re- I'll ruin this guy's roof for you, get you down in front of Jesus. I heard this, this great story uh, um, listening to a few weeks ago. I was talking about um, a young man who was very against religion. He was an atheist, or, and then I think he became an agnostic, but was leaning back towards an atheist. And he had parents who became Christians. And he felt really weird about his parents being Christians. And here, they became the worst kind of Christians, like Pentecostal praying Christians, which is kind of hope we all become. Um, but what I love is they just prayed, like their parents were praying boldly. Even like Uncle Stu, crazy old Uncle Stu was praying. And like the Lord gave him a word, like, hey, he's going to come to know the Lord in three months' time. And so this guy is out at this bar, kind of hanging out, meets this person. And this person, they start talking. And, and this, this, this beautiful woman starts telling this guy about God. And, you know, he asked him quite like, well, how did you get to this success? And she's like, it was God. God did this amazing thing in my life. And he, the story is just awesome. He's like, oh, okay. Well, like, that's, that's nice that, you know, you found a higher power and this and that and the other thing. And then this woman looks at him and says, have you ever experienced the love of God? And he was like, no. And so she lays hands on him, just starts praying for him. And the guy says, it felt like electricity shot through my body. I'm driving home and I called my mom and she's like, I became a, 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 a Christian. And she was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like we've been praying for this for years and we're so excited about how God shows up and you were where? Oh my goodness, like that's so cool. And this guy's whole life and trajectory changed because this woman didn't try to argue. She just said, let me put you in front of Jesus. And let's see what happens. So we pray and we dig and we put people in the presence of the Lord. And I think there's something really simple about that. We can use our minds, we can use our bodies, you know, our, our, all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength is engaged in, in prayer and digging in presence. But we come back to the place of like, Lord, this is, this is your work that I get to join in with. Um, sometimes this is going to sound crazy because this drove me nuts uh, many years ago. It looks like simply inviting folks to come and see by saying, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Um, I, I, I hated that phrase growing up. It was like, because I just thought, why would anybody want to come to church with me? That is the weirdest thing in the world. 
and I have to repent. Um, I have a friend of mine uh, that I met last year at Springmount, and um, uh, he's probably going to listen to this, so I'm going to be real careful. Uh, not the easiest person to get along with. He'd be like, absolutely. He's, he's, just, he's a rough guy. He's awesome. He cusses like a sailor. Uh, he's a great rider. Just love spending time with him. But he's one of those kinds of people that they sort of can rub people the wrong way. You ever met someone who's really opinionated, and you're like, oh, man. Um, this guy can rub me the wrong way. Well, and the first time I met him, I'm like, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this person. Like, just take him, right? Take him away or like send him to a different mountain. Like, he's really good, so maybe the other mountains want him. Um, anyways, which is just, it's a shame on, on my faith. Like, cynicism is so quick to jump into my heart. And um, anyways, I got a text message in June. He's like, hey, sorry, guys, I'm, I'm, moving, to, I'm moving down south. And I thought, oh, thank you, God. Um, but then I also thought like, oh, that's, that's interesting. Anyways, fast forward, forget about my buddy for months and months and months. And, uh, the week between Christmas and new year, I was at the mountain and my buddy was back. He's like, oh, I'm up for a week. Um, just kind of hanging out. And I'm like, looking at him, like something just looks different. Something is not quite all there. Like in a good way. You ever see like, that sounds like a bad thing, but something in a good way. He just looked like something's changed. And so I said, dude, what is going on? You seem happy. This guy's never seen happy. He's like, well, he's like, you're going to laugh at me. I'm like, I promise I won't. He's like, well, I started going to church. I was like, what? I was like, tell me the story. He's like, well, I went down south, and I didn't, didn't know anybody, and my coworkers all go to this church. He's like, it's a Moravian church. I'm like, praise God. I don't care. Like, it could, whatever. You could be handling snakes. I don't mind. Just, you're in a church. This is a miracle. And he goes, and the funniest thing was they invited me for months and months and months. And then finally, like three, two months ago, I decided I'll go. And he said it was so funny because I, I go and I sit down next to my friend. My friend stands up, goes back to the back of the room, picks up a fire extinguisher, and comes and sits down next to me. He goes, what's this for? It's like, just in case you burst into flame. And I thought, I thought to myself, that is the awesomest story I've ever heard. Like, that is crazy. So anyways, he, we just, it was just a beautiful conversation and thinking like, I asked him, so, so what is it? He said, that's the first time I've been around people that really care about me. He's like, I know my language drives him crazy and I'm like, not really trying to work on that. And he's like, and, and the preacher talks about Jesus a lot and I, I'm I like, Jesus seems pretty cool. And this is the part that was amazing. He goes, um, I can help people there. I was like, tell me about that. He's like, well, um, the church van needed $3,000 worth of work. And so they were going to do a special offering for that. And he said, I, I raised my hand during a church service. And I said, I can fix the van. If you get the parts, give me a couple, couple people to work with me. I'll teach them how to do it. And I'll fix the van. And I'm like, dude, this guy is being like reverse, he's like reverse evangelizing people and he doesn't even know. It. It's just, it was, it's like a miracle beyond miracles, beyond miracles. And what I love is even in my own heart, after that first week and first couple of weeks of knowing him, my heart shifted because the Lord convicted me and said, just pray that he'd come to meet me. And I, I'm, I was unfaithful in praying that regularly. But it's amazing how a move to a different part of the country and people who are just committed to loving someone who's a transplant, and this guy's whole life has changed. And it's a slow process, but it's a beautiful one. And the smile is, I, I've, never seen, I've, I've never seen that before. It's just amazing. Anyways, there's something about having opportunities where we get to 
be consistent and pray and dig through roofs and sometimes bring fire extinguishers with us to church, but to have these opportunities to see the kingdom of heaven show up right in front of our very eyes. I was talking to my dad about this, um, this teaching over the last couple of weeks because I've just... I've, I, I just want to warn you, I've been having way too much fun pastoring Renew the last few weeks. Like, it's been weird uh, and awesome. And it's, I think the Lord's just doing some really beautiful things in our midst, and it's been fun. Um, but I was chatting with my dad about the teaching, because I just, this has been percolating for months and months and months. And he told me the story um, about, uh, he said it was probably around 87, 88, they were at a church service in January where we were at, you know, growing up, and, and the pastor encouraged everyone to find, to just write one person's name down on a piece of paper and just commit to praying for that person. So my dad wrote down a coworker. He, you know, picked up the challenge, and when he was driving back from work every day, be praying for him. He had a chance to, to have some pretty pointed conversations for the first two weeks of January. Then the position changed. And they no longer saw it. He got moved to a different school, and they no longer saw each other. They still saw each other through football contacts, but that was only during a little time. Um, and so what was incredible was my dad continued to pray. And literally almost to the day, four years later, my dad got a call that his buddy got baptized. Uh, he went on a mission trip and got baptized. His wife invited him to go on this mission trip because he knew how to paint and do some other things. He goes down, meets Jesus, gets baptized, and he, he called my dad to say, can you guys come? We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a celebration service for the mission trip and also because a couple of us came to know the Lord. And my mom was getting my dad's suit jacket ready, which I've only seen my dad wear a suit maybe once or twice. It was probably from the 70s. Um, and so she pulled it out, and she was getting ready to take it to the dry cleaner, and she looked in his pocket, and she saw the piece of paper. And so she brought it to that, to that gathering that they had, and she gave it to the pastor, and the pastor was just weeping. She's like, we've been praying for this guy for years because his wife would come, and she, and she wouldn't. And just this amazing story of this, first, of someone who's committed to praying the miraculous and seeing that come to fruition. And so I've just been encouraged by these stories. So how do we join with God in this year? Again, we pray, we dig and we help people get into the presence of God. I really do think um, I've watched my heart change and shift over the last several weeks and months. And a lot of that has come out of I've realized how cynical I've grown. Um, it doesn't matter where I'll find a place to be cynical. Like I've almost become good at being cynical. And I feel like the Lord's really been challenging me to instead of seeing all the holes in it, to start seeing the goodness and what he may be up to. And even if, even if he's not up to goodness in that, I begin to speak goodness into that particular place or space or thing. Um, and it really made me start to think about something that Erin said at one of our meetings a few weeks ago. She said, uh, transformation is always the opposite, and it's this slow switching in direction. And I thought, we, as people who pray and dig, are kind of like the conductors that are just helping to lay the groundwork of making that turn, of helping people just walk alongside and see that slow transition. And it takes a lot of patience. Anyone struggle with patience in this room? It takes a ton of patience to join with God on mission. To be praying for four years for someone, um, does anyone get bored after praying once for someone or maybe twice? If you're really killing it, you get a weekend. And it's a challenge, right? Because we are very quickly distracted by things. Um, 
But transformation will always begat transformation. Uh, I, I'm learning a lot. I, I learned so much about God just outside, like in church and outside of church. But right now, the, since I'm helping out at Spring Mountain, I'm learning a ton about evangelism. So there was this, this lady who, who joined as an adult. I teach adults, which is super fun. To see adults on snowboards is a riot. Um, and it's, you wouldn't think you can actually tense up all your muscles at the same time, but you can. I've seen it. It's, it's, it's miraculous and cool. But what was really neat is there was this gal that came last year, and she brought her sister. Uh, she had so much fun the first time. She brought her sister the second time, and she went through a whole four-week session with us. And then this year, uh, she was back. I'm like, how's it going? She's like, great. She's like, my sister, she's, she's nine months pregnant, so I figured it probably wasn't good. I think that's a very wise call. Um, but she's like, but I brought my friend. I brought my friend. And so she brought another friend with her. And, it, and it's been really neat. So three weeks with, with this lady and her friend. Uh, her friend's starting. She's falling in love with the sport, which is really, really cool. That's my goal. How do I get someone to fall in love with the sport? Uh, and not how do I get them to snowboard? And how do I get them to enjoy the process, the journey, while they're doing this, right? So yesterday, uh, I stopped in because my family's away, which was great. So I'm like, I'm going to go and ride for a little bit. And they're like, hey, can you teach a private? I was like, sure, I'll teach a private lesson. Here, it's this woman who's the friend of this woman. It's her husband. She's like, my wife came home. She was telling me how amazing this is. I got to try it. I'm like, all right, let's go. So we went up and we had an hour of just exploring and learning. And I thought, like, that is exactly what happens in the church. Like, that's how this works. Transformation begets transformation. Someone's life changes, and that's going to start to make some issues in other people's lives because they're going to see it from a different perspective. I mean, that's how change happens. And so I'm learning a ton about the kingdom of heaven while sliding down fake snow with people. But there's something about that. I think about Jake, and I think about how my cynicism kept me from being someone who wanted to really invite people to church for many years because I'm like, it just wouldn't make sense to them. But then I thought it really has nothing to do, it has nothing to do about all this stuff, but it has everything to do with about just getting people in the place where they can experience the presence of God and you all get to play a big role in that. And that's what I've noticed about this church. You all pastor people better than Ben and I do. It's amazing. I, I heard a story last night. I was texting with uh, Bob and Francie Simrack. They have, they're, they're, Francie's got COVID. They've got some pretty significant things happening right now, just health-wise and stuff like that. And, and I said, do you guys need anything? She goes, well, we're good. Uh, Alice brought us some chicken noodle soup, so we're fine. And I'm thinking to myself, I love how there's stuff that happens and I don't even know about. And, and that is such an, a testament, that's a testament to the way that you all join Jesus to care for the people within this community. But this is my challenge. Can we point those arrows out? Can we start to see ways to bless our neighbors and our coworkers and our friends and the people that aren't yet part of this community, part of the church, of God's community, not just Renew, but people that are starting to, whether they're in South Carolina, North Carolina, wherever, but people who are beginning to follow Jesus. Because I think transformation begats transformation. And as I think about, to come to sort of the close of this, I really do think that it's the presence of God that transforms people's lives. It's usually not going to be in a fancy sermon. It's usually not going to be in some one, one big way of serving someone. It's going to be this consistent overlap of the works and words of Christ, like the waves beating on the beach just over and over and over again.
And what I appreciate is that we don't have to do this stuff on our own. The Lord has given us the beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit to be with us. So we're going to be praying. I have these beautiful cards that Aaron made for us, and I'm going to have you guys pass them out. It's just real simple. There are five slots on these cards. You want to, can I ask you guys to do me a huge one? Pass them out, and then whatever's left over, just bring back up to me. Yeah. Thanks, man. Can you get your arms out okay? Do you need help? <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yeah, go ahead. Pass them out. But we've got these cards, and um, I'd love for you to take a minute and just write down five names. And some of you may be thinking, okay, I don't know five people that aren't Christians. Do not take that as a space of shame. Take that as a space of invitation to begin to know people that are far from God and to recognize the gift that that is to you and to them. Um, But I want to give you a few minutes to just write down some names. Uh, If you're like, I only have one name, that's fine. Write one name down. But I'd love for you to to seriously consider who are five people that I want to pray for that my hope is 10 years from now, I find this thing somewhere and I realize, Lord, you answered all of these. Every single one of these people have come to know you. But I want you to think about that. Who are the people that you are longing to see come to know the Lord? And I want you to to take a step of, of action and write it down. And as we're doing this, I want us to think about this very simple idea that Jesus says all the time. He says, repent and believe. And so for for us, I want us to enter into a space as we're writing these names down. Um, I hope they're names that may be hard for you because you thought I've written this person off a long time ago, or my faith has really struggled to believe that God could pull this person through. Um, And I just want to invite you to a beautiful space of repentance. Repent of your cynicism. Lord, help me to see what you see, not what I think I see. But just to have that space, that moment to say, God, forgive me for my cynicism. That's what sinks this ship. In my opinion, what will sink the ship of the church is not any political movement. It's cynicism. We serve a God who does impossible things, like all the time. And he's not left us abandoned. He's not left us orphaned. He has given us the gift of his spirit to go with us. And when we open our mouths, I think he hears and there is. And if all authority in heaven and earth was given to Jesus and he now gives it to us, I hope I can begin to believe and act in a way that's really different than what I may have in the years past. I hope we as a church can act differently. So you might be thinking, as you have those names, we're going to practice this. I'll take those from you guys. We're going to practice this um, by praying for the people that you've written down. Um, And I just want to, they're going to play and just sort of hang out for a minute. Um, But I just want to give us a space to pray for these beautiful names on these cards. And I want to encourage you to put these cards into space. And so this is what I know. Many of us are going to write down these names. And uh, most of us will forget and place this in the back of our Bibles or in the back of our minds or it'll get lost in our purse. And that intention that we have in this moment, which is great, but an intention is just an intention. 
Can we be people that move this into a discipline, into an opportunity? And I was thinking about that. If, if, I, if I could only have five people in Renew praying for five folks this, in this upcoming year, that's 25 people who's, who's, who are literally, roofs are being dug through and they're being placed in the presence of Jesus every day. I believe God can do something in that. So I want to encourage us to ask each other, who's your five? How, how's that prayer going? What's going on? Because I just don't want this to fall on something that's just, oh, it's another cool thing. Oh, this is a nice bookmark. But can this be something that becomes this beautiful opportunity to pray continually, unceasingly for our friends? If you're like, what do I pray? Just real simple. Lord, make yourself known to this person. And if you need me to help, help me see when you show up. Anyways, I invite you just for a few moments to pray. And then uh, Johnny is going to lead us in some response through worship in song. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.